I'm Jen Geller, Senior Editor of the CNBC Workforce Executive Council, a network for top HR executives equipping them with information, peer-to-peer -peer conversation, and thought leadership to succeed in today's business environment. Returning to the office is a big topic of conversation no matter where you work. Do you stay remote, get everyone back in person, or do you have a hybrid of the two? And how do you do that? Those are some of the big decisions everyone's grappling with and also how this is going to impact the demand for talent. Let's look at these topics and more with three members of the WEC. Carolyn Moore is a Senior Vice President of People at AuthZero, a cybersecurity company. Anilu Vasquez-Ubari is Partner and Chief Human Resources Officer at private equity firm TPG. And Cecilia McKenney is Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Quest Diagnostics. Let's get to it. Carolyn, Annie Lou, Cecilia, great to have you. Carolyn, let's start with you. What's your return to work strategy and why? Yeah. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me here. So we were about 60% remote and hybrid, frankly, prior to the pandemic. So when we went back, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, we all became 100% remote. And so we got really good at this and then decided, hey, we really like the opportunity to be able to choose. So we're going to go back um, based upon what people are feeling like they're going to be able to be most successful doing. So we certainly have the opportunity to go back into the office a couple of days, but also work from home. And um, we've done a great job, I think, over the last say 15 months, just really getting that right and figuring out how to do hybrid um, as we go forward. Great. Annie Lou, what about you? Yeah, thanks for having me, Jen, and nice to be with Cecilia and Carolyn. Um, you know, our approach to this has been kind of the, the same as we started, um, you know, where all of us kind of found ourselves trying to make a decision on something we hadn't experienced before. Um, so our strategy, I would say, is guided by our culture. Uh, we value the safety and health of our employees and their families uh, more than anything. And that has been the guiding principle. That's why we went to work from home, you know, very early first week of March, as soon as uh, we we had the right information in the U.S. to make that decision. Um, and obviously that has been a traumatic 15 months of people learning how to do things very differently. We're a group of travelers. Um, in order for us to do our job as private equity um, investors, we travel to meet um, the companies that we're going to partner with. So that relationship and close touch is very important to us. Um, so we've had to adapt. Um, and so we're going to ease people back. Uh, we're doing a couple of things. We're saying your health is really important. Um, we um, are requiring that for you to actually come back to the office, that you be fully vaccinated. Um, we are right now in what we call a pilot that we started two weeks ago. We're giving people the summer kind of to get their house in order, um, all those things um, that we need to kind of get back to. And so this is a voluntary um, transition period through the fall. In September, we've said we think that's a um, good time for all of us to value another aspect of our culture, which is community and apprenticeship. And we would like to do that back together. Uh, we haven't made a final decision, but we expect that we also will be requiring that everyone will be back fully vaccinated only. Uh, we had a high uptake um, in vaccinations just naturally in our population. We knew that from talking to our employees and surveys. Um, and we're also saying 
through all of this, there are some things that we learned that we really want to keep, which is the flexibility for each team to decide how they will work together and how they'll accommodate uh, work from home, work remotely uh, with being in the office. All right, that's great. We brought up a lot of subjects here, including vaccine mandates. We're going to bring those up um, shortly. Cecilia, tell me about yours, as, and we'll get to it a little bit, but what's your strategy? And and talk to us a little bit. Some of your people never left. That's right, Jen. It's great to be here uh, and talking about what's on everyone's mind. So for Quest Diagnosis, some similarities and some differences. Um, we have about 50,000 employees, and 40,000 uh, of our employees have always continued to come into either the lab or the patient service center uh, around the country. And uh, we've really focused on, uh, like Annie Lou and, and I'm sure Carolyn, the focus is on safety, whether you're coming into a lab or you're working uh, remotely. And we are, for those that are working remotely, we have about 10,000 people who are working remotely, we are taking a very phased approach. We, uh, in June, we are commencing a purely voluntary uh, and optional return to office if you'd like to, uh, with certain uh, behavior requirements, um, including masking in the office. And uh, in September, we will be you know, having folks that have been remote come back to the office, but we are classifying all employees um, as either 100% in the office, 100% remote, or hybrid. And then we are actually going to put that, in, we are an Oracle customer, we're going to load it in Oracle so that our TA teams uh, know what type of job that is, whether it's hybrid or not, or 100% remote. And we are also defining what activities should be done in person uh, so that uh, you know we help employees, particularly our office employees decide when to be in person and what uh, activities can be done at home. And we've created this framework, while not final, we're calling it uh, a simple framework, uh, ABC. And uh, it stands for uh, A is active collaboration, visualization, and strategizing. B is uh, uh, building relationships, training, and mentoring. And C is coaching and career conversations. So those are the types of activities that we're framing should be done in person most of the time. And then there are many others that can be done remote. Okay, that's great. And now one thing I do wanna mention and follow up with you, Cecilia, is I know so much of the talk of return to work, that's the big topic of a conversation, but I also hear a lot of the frontline workers it's a little frustrating to hear. They say, you know, what about us? Like, you know, we we worked so hard. It was very stressful, the height of the pandemic. How do you take them into consideration? Do you do different things to make sure they're feeling valued within the company? Have you made changes within the last year and a half, last 16 months to make sure that feels different and they feel equal in this in this challenge right now? Yeah, it's a great question, Jen, and something that we think about really every day. Uh, we have done things uh, for our frontline, whether it's frontline hero payments or um, special accommodations and flexibility so that, you know, they're grappling with childcare uh, issues even more so than our 
uh, remote employees. And uh, so different things to make them feel special and recognize the extraordinary effort that they have been doing. Uh, and on the flip side, for our remote employees, we've also tried to be extremely flexible. So to, to really to address the unique needs of both populations. And it's interesting, what has happened over the last year is I'd say our focus on inclusion and diversity has brought the two groups together. Uh, it really has binded the organization, uh, focusing on the, um, you know, the racial inequities, healthcare inequities, and Quest is, is, has actually launched a Quest for Health Equity program that has unified the organization despite the differences in the way we work. And it really, uh, uh, you know, came together when we said, we'd like to do something as it relates to inclusion and diversity and recognize that everyone has unique uh, cultural and racial sensitivities and what's important to them is unique to them. So we launched a, um, uh, a diversity day. It's a, it's a new holiday for all employees uh, that uh, allows an employee to take whatever day is important to them culturally, racially, or familially uh, off um, in 2021. That's great. Um, someone mentioned if, to repeat the ABC model. We'll do that in a little bit in the end. Um, Annie Lou, biggest, some of the biggest names in banking in the financial industry don't seem to be real big fans of remote or hybrid work. You know, I think it was Jamie Dimon who said, if I'm on another Zoom, oh my gosh, I'm even a former employer of yours, you know, Goldman Sachs, not the biggest fan. What talk about that message? You say mentorship, apprenticeship is so big in 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 the banking and the finance space. Talk a little bit about the nuance there. What what are what's the message being sent and what's being heard and what's getting lost, perhaps, is maybe the question I have for you. What do you what what do people need to hear from someone that's a little more nuanced, <laughs> such as yourself? Well, look, I mean, it's a it is a very tough decision, right? Because there there are competing, um, or there can be an impression that there are competing pressures. I I actually, you know, when you and I have been talking about this, I do think that nuance um, is a very important word for people to apply to how you listen to employees um, and also how you talk to them. And I I would go back to culture. Um, I I think that one of the things that I probably have been most pleasantly surprised to discover about us as a firm is that we actually have a very close relationship with our employees, and they tell us things very candidly and very frankly. So I have gotten the opportunity uh, to hear from a broad set of my colleagues um, uh, throughout the last 15 months about how they feel about things that we've done, uh, whether they like it, they don't like it, they wish we would have done something differently. So I would say, you know, I haven't been in the room with, you know, some of the uh, financial services uh, peers, including my former employer. Um, but I would say, you know, it has to be authentic. Um, and you're not going to be able to make everyone happy at once. But I think it is important that you define what is most important to you. And I think for us, you know, there were a lot of myths that became, you know, completely busted during this. 
uh, you don't have to be physically together to be productive. I think that a big portion of the world, uh, the corporate world has proven that. Um, some with more difficulty than others, depending on you know what industry you are and, and all that. But a good proportion of us that thought that we could never do this and it would never occur to us to just say, let's go remote for 15 months. Guess what? Like we were able to do things. And I think that, you know, as Cecilia mentioned, importantly, we all have gotten the opportunity to focus on other things that I know were important to all of us before, like race inequality um, and, and that dialogue. But I, I have to be very honest. I don't think that we would have gotten as many people involved in that dialogue at TPG had it not been for the fact that everyone was kind of grounded um, and were able to connect globally through the magic of Zoom, right? Um, and we had some very honest and candid and intimate discussions um, that were actually, you know, reviving. We committed to the firm that if they wanted to continue to do this, we would do it again this year. And so we just kicked our race roundtables part two. Um, I honestly believe that we are a better company um, and a better set of um, leaders because we have had to go through this experience um, together. And honestly, in the greater scheme of things, obviously Cecilia um, has frontline workers. Um, you know, there has been so much loss in the last 15 months, um, you know, and pain around the world uh, with this, you know, situation that I, I think that we have just chosen to think about what could we learn from this experience and try to mold it to what works best for us as a company. So yes, we like people to, you know, travel together. We like people to learn from each other um, in person, but we also know that people can learn and continue to contribute remotely too. So we're kind of like, we decided that we're not in an either or, um, but there's definitely some benefit um, to us to be in the office for some very precise moments. And so that's what we're choosing to do. That's great. Um, Carolyn, that was kind of one of the calling cards. You were remote and hybrid kind of way before this. That, those were even words. Those were even in people's lexicons, perhaps. What are some best tips that a lot of companies are kind of grappling with it this summer? Yeah, um, the I think the key um, there are a number of keys actually to this. Uh, first thing is we've all kind of talked about culture and making sure that you understand how your culture can help inform how you operate um, in a hybrid work environment. Um, one of the big um, items, however, um, that we found in a hybrid work environment that's important to pay attention to is how you measure performance. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of the CEOs who, uh, you know, we've been listening to, including Jamie Dimon, <laughs> has been questions around whether or not you can really be that productive and how do you measure that performance? And, and frankly, what we um, have gotten ourselves to, and, and by no means are we done yet. Um, we continue to practice, we continue to learn, but it's really about how do you measure actual result and stay away from um, measuring uh, time and seat, uh, FaceTime, et cetera. It's super easy to you know, fall into that, that, uh, that habit while you're in the office. 
And so after being remote exclusively then for the last 15 months, we've had a lot of practice figuring out how to do that. So is a big key is how do you set the goals? How do you set the objectives? How do you make sure that you are communicating on a really regular basis between managers and employees? Um, I can say at our company, uh, everybody has a one-on-one -on -one once a week. We are keeping people up to date. We changed our performance review process to be a quarterly check-in, no more meetings, no more, uh, you know, once a year sort of here's, here's what I'm trying to remember happened over the last 12 months. So we really have done a lot of work in terms of um, giving managers the opportunity to move in that direction, including uh, coaching. We've put in some coaching programs that allow managers to gain the skills to figure out how is it do we um, you know, really show up with our employees without this uh, thing? Uh, how do we give back? Because that's tough. Uh, anyway, and it's really tough and hard. But one of the things that I do uh, think is important also as we go forward, as we come back to the office, whether it's one day a week, two days a week, never, what have you, is not to create kind of a two-class system. Mm -hmm. What worries me and what we need to pay attention to is to ensure that all of our managers are giving equal opportunity to all of our employees, whether they're remote or their hybrid for performance um, increases, for promotions, et cetera. Um, I'm very hopeful, though, that we get there. There's so much more awareness that's been built around that that possibility, particularly in a company that uh, you know I'm looking forward to uh, see how this uh, this works. Yeah, and I, I would add, Carolyn, to that, that, you know, again, they're like the little things that you discover really matter. And one of those, I would say probably, if we're all honest, uh, the last 15 months is, you know, the year of the manager. It became very clear that if you had strong managers that could pivot to how to talk and engage and motivate their employees and also at the same time be empathetic um, in this new world, you were going to do a lot better through this um, situation, we actually chose um, to double down in our training for managers. And obviously we had been focusing a lot on how to give feedback, how to get actually as opposed to um, other things that actually don't matter and don't really impact the results. But we also actually chose to focus on their well-being as managers um, and take care of them. Um, so that they could take care of the employees. So we did a series of um, burnout um, sessions um, and how to avoid it, how to think like an athlete, for example, uh, in terms of your stamina that work in a world of Zoom. Um, and we're now doubling down on doing, you know, workshops, um, both with our managers and our employees, um, so that not only is it about productivity, but about their mental health. Um, and I would mm -hmm. say that's another topic, right, that has become very important to all of us. Uh, mental health was always a topic that we were very focused on, but it's definitely something that we're talking super openly at the firm and training our managers on as well. Annie Lou, I couldn't yeah. agree more. We, we really have, uh, I mean, it's just interesting. You think about the last 12 months, two topics that we never talked about in, in the workplace are, were race and mental health. And both have become, you know, really important topics that we're embracing and, you know, 
really try to, to learn and help people to talk about in a very, uh, you know, kind of meaningful and authentic way. The other aspect that, you know, just from a culture perspective that we've really focused on, particularly to connect with the front line, is a culture of appreciation uh, and the difference between appreciating someone and recognizing someone. Uh, and we've done a lot of workshops on what it means to appreciate someone and who they are and what they bring to their job, their care, their, uh, you know, uh, attitude, uh, their teamwork. Um, so more about how they do their job uh, in addition to what they do. And I, I tell, we relaunched our recognition and appreciation program last October. We had planned to relaunch it April 1st of last year and, of course, put that off um, given the onset of the pandemic, but decided we couldn't wait any, any longer. So we relaunched it October 1st. And I, I, I'll tell you, it was the, one of the best decisions we made was uh, we, we did a lot of training um, on this notion of appreciation versus recognition and how people feel uh, they're so much more productive. Uh, there's some really interesting research out of um, uh, UC Berkeley's um, Center for um, Good Science on uh, the impact of appreciating someone uh, versus recognizing them. And, you know, it's um, we actually have set up a dashboard. It's really kind of fun to, to watch uh, recognition and appreciation, uh, you know, just spread, um, you know, uh, in our culture. That's great. I want to get into the next part, maybe with you, Carolyn, if you have something else to add, how this all, not only how those who work inside, but the demand for talent has never been more fierce. Mm. Also retaining employees have, has never been more critical. How does all of this, I'll kick it off with you, but Carolyn, and we can jump into others as well. How does this all factor into the, the plea for talent, the demand for talent? Well, I think it's important in, that in technology, it is absolutely critical that we offer a remote or hybrid um, situation. Uh, that is something that, you know, we certainly hear from our candidates that that's an important thing. Um, and frankly, you know, that's just how we've been operating, you know, for a really long time, clearly. Um, but what that does is it really does put us in the lead with a lot of the for the, the the roles that we have with the candidates that we have. And the reason for that is we've been doing this so long. We understand it. We know how to support it. We have the systems and the processes to support it. And, you know, just frankly, on top of that, um, you know, Annie Lou, you were talking about empathy, and that is something that we hold very dear at Auth0. This is a way of life for us. It always has been. It continues to be so. And I think that's why we're able to be so successful in um, uh, getting our candidates across the finish line with us. Um, but in addition to that, I, I also just want to put out there, too, that what this has done for us is it's been able to give us an opportunity to really be more focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It allows for people to be able to join the company, but also to thrive in the company because they're doing it in a way that is comfortable for them. And it's uh, we've set it up so that you can be successful in working 
in this in this particular way. I mean, uh, we're on Zoom calls all day long, and oftentimes, you know, little kids are coming into the into the room, and we make a point of saying hi and you know having a little chat with them when they come in. You know, cats, dogs, whatever. But you know, that's just sort of the way we operate, and um, it's it's really come through as as a major selling point for us. We we really uh, value all of that. Others, um, your selling points. Um, Annie Lou, uh, the mentorship aspect of things is that kind of is, is that kind of one of the things that you're saying we're a little bit different, but we want you to travel get learn from us. Is that some yeah. of the things you? Yeah, and I think um, also to demonstrate to um, candidates that you know our managers like their responsibility to foster career development and support people in their ambitions was not suspended uh, because uh, we were remote. Uh, you still have a responsibility and there are ways for you to do that. And so I think it's both combining the fact that you can come and join and be who you are. That has always been part of, um, you know, we are kind of like the different private equity firm we're in the West Coast. So we're actually pretty uh, proud and loud about the fact that there is something different about us. Um, and we like people to join that are going to make us different uh, together. Uh, but I also think that it's important for people to know we're still promoting people. We are, you know, rewarding people well for their contributions and that those conversations don't need to take a back seat um, because we're also dealing with this very substantial kind of world crisis, obviously. So I think it's been those two things, Jen, like a little bit of normalcy also in terms of like your career ambitions are still very important. A question from our uh, one of our WEC members, Marcus Bryant, a fair start. What new employee value propositions have been employed to attract and retain talent, given the seemingly tapped talent pool? Um, anyone jump in? I know, Cecilia, you employed a few new things. Uh, anyone want to tell us what you're all doing? Yeah, we are doing virtual onboarding so that, you know, we are, you know, and and speeding up, shortening our recruiting process. Speed is really, really important. Uh, so we have literally gone through some of the really back to basics. We are reviewing our application process to make it as short as possible and as mobile friendly as possible. And we are, uh, you know, as I said, doing this virtual onboarding so that we put our arms around our new employees uh, uh, right away. And then one of the, you know, kind of, again, back to the basics, um, stay interviews. Um, we are actually doing a pilot in our Southeast region on stay interviews, uh, training our supervisors to be in touch with their particularly first year employees uh, to make sure if we can get them to stay for one year, we, uh, we have a much higher probability of retaining employees. We also got the same thing with the onboarding. The onboarding has gone exceptionally well. Um, it's, it's really a lot of fun. Um, we've made it fun. Gamification, um, is part of that as well. Um, one of the, uh, other things that I think that, uh, has been so attractive for folks is just our ability to get together with one another. Uh, so we are a big Slack shop. Um, so we talk asynchronously all the time. Um, in fact, most of us use it much more often than, than, uh, our email, 
But one of the things that we do is that we have a uh, plugin for Slack called Donut and it pairs us up. So we uh, weekly get to people from all around the company uh, and uh, have virtual coffee breaks with, with one another. And we'll continue to do that. We've always done it and we'll continue to do it going forward. This is kind of a lightning round uh, because we're coming up on time, but I said we'd get to it. I wanted to get to it. Um, vaccine mandates. Annie Lou, you mentioned mm -hmm. you have it. Cecilia, you're in the healthcare world. Um, what are your What are your considerations um, in light of all of this? What's What's the biggest challenge there? Yeah, no, we um we are strongly recommending the vaccine right now, and we've done a lot of education with our chief medical officer and other physicians, uh, kind of doing one-on-one -on -one coffee talks, if you will, um, uh, on uh, you know what are the risks and and benefits of getting the vaccine, what's on people's minds. So strongly recommended right now, particularly given the uh, it is only uh, approved for emergency use authorization. I think the next juncture will be when it is approved by the FDA for regular use. I think we'll revisit the question as to whether we will mandate or not. Uh, there are some healthcare organizations out there like Houston Methodist that have uh, been in the newspapers, um, have mandated uh, the vaccine, and it's been uh, pretty complicated for them. Jen, I think it's important in this point, because I know that a lot of us in the CHRO world have been struggling with how to make this decision. Uh, we are mandating uh, vaccination to come physically into the office, not as a condition of work. And I do think that that's a hugely different. We are supporting our employees that for many different reasons have chosen that at least at this moment, and they're not comfortable. And I think that there is a difference in how that message is received mm -hmm. um, and everyone has to make their own decision. But I do wanna make sure that people um, watching us understand that. Um, and I would say, you know, Cecilia also said something that I think for us was very important. You know, we, it, as part of our private equity investing, one of our most important sectors is healthcare. And we leverage the knowledge of our colleagues uh, throughout to really explain to us as we were going through this, um, the pros and cons, the choices. And um, so I think that, again, I think education is a very important part of wherever you land mm -hmm. on this, explaining to your employees why you're making that decision. Got it. We do have one last question. I hope we're, I know we're right at a little over time, but I hope we can uh, get this in from Mariella. Um, about productivity. Um, people kind of itching to come back, do you see, especially uh, maybe, I guess for all of you, are you starting to see a drop off in productivity? I know that's a big concern for a lot of, uh, a lot of leaders right now. I think a lot of people are itching to come back. Uh, and I do think there is, you know, people are tired of the really long hours because things take longer to do when you're remote all the time. So I, I do think there is a, a, a burnout that we uh, that some people, uh, uh, someone said it earlier, that some people have responded to working at home differently and have different challenges at home. Uh, so, you know, I think that th there are pockets of uh, productivity losses. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the prospect of coming back to work, uh, you know, for at least those ABC uh, type activities 
is is one that I think a lot of people are itching to do. And since someone asked, uh, I think her name was Sheila, someone asked earlier, what are those ABCs again? Yeah, so A is for active collaboration, visualization, and strategizing. B is for building relationships, mentoring, and role modeling. And C is coaching and career conversations. Okay, great. Um, I guess we start with ABCs and we're gonna actually start to wrap it up. Um, Carolyn Moore of Auth0, Anilu Vasquez-Ubari of TPG Global, and Cecilia McKenney of Quest Diagnostics. Thank you all so much for your time. All WEC Workforce Executive Council members, do you wanna learn more about the WEC and all the great things that we have, conversations like this, conversations with others, check it out. Apply to cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. Thank you all so much for your time.